Welcome to Cowan Insights, a space that brings leading thinkers together to share insights and ideas shaping the world around us. Join us as we converse with the top minds who are influencing our global sectors. Harry's is redefining personal care. This is the visionary podcast series about visionary ideas and people. My name is Oliver Chen. I'm Cowan's new platforms, retail and luxury analyst. And this episode of our retail and luxury visionary podcast series, we're excited to spend time with Jeff Rader. He's the co-founder and co-CEO of Harry's, which is a brand focused on high quality men's shaving and grooming products, as well as a broader innovative platform. I use Harry's every day. The company's redefining personal care for new generations with fair prices, innovation, and a clear social mission. So an introduction on Jeff Rader as co-founder of both Harry's and Warby Parker. He builds companies and brands that people like more. Prior to Harry's, Jeff co-founded Warby Parker. And before founding these companies, Jeff worked at Charles Bank Capital Partners in Bain. He graduated from Johns Hopkins with the BA and master's in international studies and affairs, and also has an MBA from Wharton. Jeff, it's great to be here with you. Oliver, thank you for having me. It's good to see you. We'd love to hear about your founding story. How has the brand evolved since the beginning? Yeah, so um, our founding story at Harry's uh, happened in late 2011. Uh, My co-founder, Andy, who'd been a good friend of mine for a while, G chatted with me one day. Well, sometimes we say he called me, but the truth is he G chatted me uh, and um, he got in touch with me. And he essentially said like, Jeff, I had a pretty bad experience with drugstore. Um, I waited for uh, 10 minutes for someone to unlock the razor case. I overpaid for razor blades and shaving cream. Looking at my package, there's like a picture of a blade flying over the moon. Like this just doesn't feel like a great purchase experience for me. You know, could you take... Um, what you learned building Warby Parker, and I'd done that sort of prior, and um, and apply it to to men's shaving and you know personal care more broadly. Um, and I sort of I remember sitting back in my chair and thinking like, wow, Andy's right. Like it's not a great experience, you know, buying razors and blades. These big brands like Gillette take advantage of of us as customers. There's got to be a huge difference between what it costs to make these products and what they charge for them. And the brands are telling me I've got to be the best. I just kind of want to be me. And I feel like we could do it better. Um, and if we could do it better for ourselves, then I wonder if we could do it better for lots of other guys out there. Um, and then we went down this whole path of trying to figure out if we could actually make that happen. So I think first we tried to validate that like other guys felt the way we did. Like we weren't just kind of two of, you know, the only people in the world who felt that way. And it turned out that yeah, lots of guys did that. I think lots of people wanted really, really awesome products, you know, design that they believed in, a brand that shared their values, that did good for them and the community, that they could access, you know, wherever and however they wanted starting online um, and that deliver their products at a fair fair price. And so I think that that was um, the first thing. And then we had to figure out how to make really good products. And I learned this early on at Warby Parker and certainly translated to Harry's, like, you know, great products matter so much. Um, We take so much pride in every single thing that we make. And with razors and blades in particular, you know, a razor blade is like a knife that you take to your face every day. Like it's got to work well and be good. And you can't just make one good razor blade. You don't have to put five blades in a cartridge and all those have to work together in a thoughtful way. Um, And then you have to make sure that every one of those shaves, you know, 
performs in the way that it should, which means that you need sort of complete precision across millions and millions and millions and millions of very small metal pieces, um, these blades. And um, it turns out that razor blades are incredibly complicated to make because of all of those factors. Um, I learned later, you actually change the molecular composition of steel when you make a razor blade, you have to heat it and cool it to a place where you can then put the right edge on the blade so that it's both very durable and very sharp. Then you coat it with complex coatings, put it into cartridges in ways where each of the blades successfully cuts hair, like there's real science behind it. Um, we ended up finding a, a razor blade manufacturer in Germany um, that at the time had been around for about 90 years um, that made really, really high quality blades. And so we started to work with them. Um, and and you know, thank goodness we found them. Like, I remember the first time I shaved with their product, I was like, wow, this is good. Like we might actually have a solution here. Um, and then early on to our journey at Harris, we ended up buying that factory and vertically integrating the business. Because at that point in time, we had conviction from our customers that the products we we're making were good, that they liked them and they were coming back. And because we were reaching out to them on direct to consumer, we had clarity on how we could actually continue to innovate on those products and improve them for people. And we've done that over the last, you know, eight years since we bought the factory, which has been a very cool thing to get to do and see and, and actually watch come to life. So, um, so yeah, that was sort of the, the, the initial part of the business. So then we had an idea, validated big need, a product that we thought met the need. And then it was about bringing a brand to life that, that guys really loved, um, and that's what we tried to do with the Harry's brand, um, you know, a brand that made people feel like we were there for them, that was sort of warm and open and um, celebrated people for kind of not being the same as everybody else for zigging when, when other people zagged. You know, I don't think Andy and I tried to kind of be ourselves as we built the brand, not shaving experts, but just regular guys like you who, who wanted a better solution for ourselves. We felt like if we could do that and connect with people directly online to start and really get to know them and learn from them and be there for them. And then, you know, do good in the community while we're doing that. We, 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 dedicate, we built a model where we give 1% of our sales to organizations that support the purpose of the brand. We've gotten, you know, spent a lot of time in the, in the last number of years around men's mental health, which has been super, super important to both us as founders and, and our community. And we, we felt like we could build something that we would really be really proud to be a part of and a product and brand that we'd, we'd be really proud to use. And um, it's been a fun journey from, from there. Jeff, there's so many cool parts of your business, authenticity, vertical integration, customer centricity. What is your secret sauce and or core competencies, you know, as you've tackled many challenging yeah. problems and customers yeah. love it? It's a great question. I know our mission as a company is to create things people like more. And it sounds very simple, but, you know, you kind of compare it to other big corporate missions with lots and lots of words on a page. That, like, we just thought that that was a sort of simple way to define what we need to do. And so that for me kind of starts with like understanding people kind of putting yourself in their shoes and figuring out, Hey, would like, would this be better if we did this, Would like life be better tomorrow than it is today. You know, one of the, one of the fun moments I had in the Harry's journey is I went to the UK um, after, as we were about to launch there. And I talked about how we'd kind of changed the set of choices for guys in the U S like now there were new, better options for them that were good value and good design. And the big brands couldn't just kind of take advantage of people anymore. And people were like, it's going to be awesome when this comes to the UK. Like, life is going to get better for shavers. And like, for me, that's like a articulation of great things people like more. And so we think about that, not just for Harry's, but for new brands we've built like Flamingo and Cat Person for new products we enter, like, you know, body wash or, you know, face wash or hairstyling products. And each of those products for me, like needs a very simple articulation around how it could be better in someone's lives. We also think about it vis-a-vis -vis ourselves. Like, you know, if we make our razor blades better and better and better and better, we charge the same price. We're creating things people like more every day. 
or we build a new scent of body wash that people go crazy for, like we're creating things people like more every day. And so we think a lot about that as sort of the ethos of our of our our business. And then I think, you know, another thing that probably sets us apart, maybe two other things. One, you know, I think this started with us early on, and we try to continue to push the team to do this, is to take big, bold, inspired risks. Like people can't always tell you exactly what they want. Like they want you to inspire them and make them smile. And so how can our brands do that in fun and interesting ways? You know, buying a factory for us that was almost 90 years old with 420 people when we were less than a year old with 30 people, that was a big risk. But I think we did it with our customer in mind. You know, um, When we went to retail, putting p- images of a beautiful product on a package and not having, not having that plastic blister pack have to show the product, A, it was good environmentally, but it also was kind of a risk in terms of, hey, like we think this is gonna make someone's lives better. They're, it's gonna enable them to be more inspired when they find our brand. And so how we've kind of done things over time that have maybe broken the mold a little bit. And I think that's enabled us to have some success. And I think the last thing is like, it's fun to just get to learn and try things on DTC. Like um, we have all these ideas, but we learn really quickly from actual people about, you know, kind of what works and what's not. Maybe the best illustration I have there is, you know, we built this brand called Cat Person with under the Harry's umbrella. You know, we sort of had all had a bunch of um, traction in the Harry's brand and said, we can take some of these learnings from Harry's that I've just been talking about and apply them to new brands and new categories. And there was a guy on our team who's a cat owner, loves cats, was fostering seven cats at the time and couldn't find good food for his cats. You know, cats are obligate carnivores and they need meat. And a lot of the food that cats had was filled with grain and kind of made for dogs who are omnivores and humans are omnivores. And like, you just need a different thing for cats. And said, you know, we should do something that's cat first in the world. And so we said, we completely agree. And there's all this stigma about owning cats. Like it's awesome to own a cat. Let's create an incredible brand called Cat Person and give people the product they need. Well, now our challenge that Cat Person is, you know, in the world is we're trying to get cats to convert from eating the equivalent of McDonald's, you know, which is what a lot of cats have been eating before. Would you feed your kid McDonald's every meal? Like maybe not. And I know like McDonald's is great for every, every once in a while, but we're trying to get, you know, kids, cats to go from eating McDonald's every single meal to eating sweet green every single meal. Like that's a complicated transition process for them. And so how do we do that? Like, you know, well, we have to learn about what, what foods, you know, those cats that have been used to McDonald's start to like to eat sweet green. What's the right sort of starter packs and what's the right instructions for cat parents and how does that kind of work so that we can over time, you know, get cats to eat healthier and healthier and healthier food. Um, and do so in a way that the cats are actually gonna, you know, accept. And so that's interesting for me, an interesting articulation of like how we leverage DTC and all these direct relationships to learn. And then we can listen to people, understand what they're saying. And we have a ton of data on behaviors, on sort of things that are people are asking for through CX. And I think that gives us a pretty unique perspective um, to then take these big brand ideas we have and try to bring them to life in a way that better and better creates things people like more. Jeff, um, you are one of the premier direct-to-consumer brands and one of the originals. So how has um, that really infused as you think about um, the optimal distribution strategies and the partners you take on, as well as innovation, you know, test, read, and react and use your customer interaction data to to help redefine what innovation is? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I think we expanded to retail, um, really sort of mass retail in 2016. The reason that we did it is because our customers wanted us to be there. Like it was the right thing for them to do, for us to do for them. Um, and since then, we've continued on that journey. And I think that's been great for us 
and for um, our customers. Um, and I guess like when we started, I think one of the mistakes I made over time at Harry's was when we kind of started, we're like, well, you know, we're at retail, but we're really DTC first. You know, like we're only, you know, because the majority of our business is DTC. It's the leading channel for everything that we do and try. And we still do a lot of that. Like, you know, it's a really great place, as I just mentioned, to learn and experiment and grow and take all those insights into retail. Really meaningful and important. Then over time, our retail business continued to grow. We expanded to new retailers. That was great for people in the world. You know, after Target, we went to Walmart. Gosh, half the U.S. population walks into Walmarts every day. And it's a great place for them to find our brand. And they've done a great job being good stewards of our brand with us. Like, that's a good thing. Um, Target's also a phenomenal partner. And, you know, over time, we've expanded to, to places like Costco and CVS and Walgreens and Kroger. And it's good now that customers can find our products in more places they want, as long as the brands and the products show up in a, in a thoughtful way. We care a lot about consistency. And so the nice thing is that, you know, the price you see on DTC is kind of the price you get everywhere. The products you see are the products you get everywhere. Like you can have a consistent experience. Now you can get products how and when and where you want more conveniently. Um, and so we've found that's a really good thing for our business. It's a good thing for our customers, et cetera. And the other thing that we found is that these channels interact with each other in an interesting way. So, you know, for example, if you were to come to our website, you know, or any website for that matter, a great converting website might convert at 4%, 5%, 6%, I don't know, but like some number like that, sub 10%. Very few websites in the world convert at more than 10%. Even if you decide to convert at 10%, 90% of customers, you know, who would convert on the best converting site in the world, don't buy right away. They come to the site, they look at your products, they read about your brand, they understand it. And then, you know, they might see you on their Sunday family shopping trip and buy you there. That's still a great experience. Like now they've gotten the context they need to make a good decision for themselves and a convenient purchase experience. Similarly, when, you know, a retailer will put you on end cap and let you sort of tell the story of your brand. Like that's a wonderful billboard for the brand that builds awareness. It doesn't build awareness, but it's also sort of has the implicit sort of buy-in from the retailer or support from the retailer that, hey, this is something you should care about. And so you know, we build awareness that way too. And so it's been a great way for us to continue to sort of just, again, try to put people first and create experiences they like more. And that's sort of driven a lot of our expansion into new channels over time. Jeff, what about the future of customer acquisition and acquisition trends? There's so much happening in the world of social and privacy, and it's very dynamic. Um, yeah. What's on your mind? For sure. You know, one of the things that we did early on at Harry's was we tried a lot of different channels to talk to people. We felt like that was super important. We weren't sure what was going to work the best. Um, and clearly, you know, social um, places like Facebook and Instagram in particular have been really interesting ways to talk to people. People are on those platforms a lot. They're highly engaged. Um, and so, um, and I think they, they like discovering products and brands there. And so, we certainly tried to learn about those channels, understand them, but we also focus on a bunch of other places like having radio hosts um, and podcast hosts who just actually liked our product go on and talk about them just in the way that they normally would. Having my co-founder Andy tell the story of Harry's and how he bought the factory to make awesome products for people and do that you know, out in the world. Like, and so we've tried to diversify um, the way that we reach people because we've been curious about what people respond to best, I think as a result, we've got a broader set of relationships. Um, and we're finding today that some things are working better than ever and some things are more challenged than ever. And would imagine that, that those trends will continue. 
There's also new and emerging platforms that are kind of, you know, developing that where people are spending a lot of time um, engaging. And so we're, we're thinking a lot about those as well. Um, and so, yeah, I think that the landscape as dynamic, fluid as ever, I think information is more fragmented than ever. Like, you know, when we launched even Warby Parker before Harry's, like we had a print article in GQ, it literally blew up the brand. And then we got the same thing at Harry's, blew up our brand, like love GQ to death. I mean, gosh, what an amazing magazine, but you know, probably now if you think about where people are getting information, they're not just getting it from GQ print articles, they're getting it from their friends on Instagram or TikTok. They're getting it from, you know, a whole plethora of different sources already. They're getting it from podcasts like this one. Like there's just so much many more places that people can find information. As a result, people I think are just looking for more targeted areas for folks to get information as opposed to just going to somebody who has, you know, who appeals to all of the US. They can go to somebody who lives in the town that they live in, who has a bunch of the same behaviors that they have, who might be more of authority for them personally. And so I think it's about figuring out who your customer is and how you want to continue to find them. I think in the word you, you said that resonated with me in the most authentic way possible. It doesn't feel like you're a brand, you know, just kind of trying to push product to them, but you're having people tell stories about your products and in, in the best way you can. And I think that's going to continue to change faster than ever. And so we got to be on our toes to understand those trends and then try to, you know, continue with that sort of ambition. Jeff, um, as a leader, uh, what have been some of the hardest problems you faced and also uh what have you had the most fun doing too good great question look i think every business has had adversity has adversity and i think we've had our share especially in the last couple of years i mean at the beginning of last year um we you know had signed a deal to um to merge to merge harry's with another business called edgewell um we um had gone down that 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 path you know, for me, it was an exciting opportunity because we were going to get to take over a bunch of brands that Edgel owned in their North American business and run them and have this multi-brand vision that I've been kind of talking about. That'd been that'd have been cool. At the same time, we were building that ourselves, and so you know, if the deal hadn't happened, it wouldn't have been the end of the world for us. Like we were really excited about our own vision of selling the company, but we ended up moving forward with it and signing a deal with them, and then it ended up getting blocked by the government. Um, and so we'd spent a lot of time working on something that didn't end up coming to fruition. That was that was challenging. Um, and we had to go up in front of the team and sort of, you know, for the first time, I think, in the history of Harry's, say we're sorry. Like we really had, we made a big decision. It didn't work out the way we thought. And, you know, here's what we learned from it. And we're sorry for having to have you, you know, had to do a bunch of work that didn't come to fruition. Like that, that really stinks. And, you know, I think we talked about all the things that we'd done well, I think, together with the team building the business over time and how we had an exciting vision for the future. But I think it was important to pause on that one and understand, you know, what we learned and, and express, you know, express that to our team. I think um, managing through the pandemic is challenging. You know, there's just a lot of external things that are happening in the world that we, you know, couldn't control. And you know, global supply chains have been really challenging in the last couple of years, like, and in ways that, you know, we didn't fully appreciate. Like, I mean, we're just learning so much. I think what I'd say is for both of those experiences, they've made us so much better and stronger. I was just ch chatting with our, our sort of COO today, um, who oversees our supply chain. And we're talking about all the things that are happening in the world right now, you know, and, what what impacts they, those could have on us. Um, we wouldn't have been having those conversations a year ago or two years ago. You know, we would have just said, hey, there are these things happening there, we'll wait and see. Now we're like, no, no, we have to be much more proactive and understanding. And those are things just a good learning that we've had over time. And so I think what I think the, the result is that it will make us 
so much better as a business over time because we've had to sort of go through these things. And I've just been so incredibly impressed with our team, with their resilience and thoughtfulness and approach. And it's been really cool to see our business grow a lot during, you know, even the most trying time. So that's one. I think on the, what's been most fun for me, like, you know, I think what's cool at Harry's is that we continue to do new and interesting things, you know, whether, whether it be, you know, sort of kind of being part of the subscription revolution on DTC and, you know, V1 or being one of the first brands that went from online to retail and had huge impact or expanding our business into new markets or um, getting to launch new brands in big and exciting ways or buying a business. Um, you know, we just acquired this amazing business brand called Lumi. Like, it's just fun to continue to be in a business in a place where we want to really do good for people in the world. We want to have a ton of impact and we continue to do new and exciting things to go make that happen. And, you know, hopefully take some risks to get there. And, and then, I, and the other thing that's been just wonderful is like getting to work with just such a exceptionally talented people to go make that happen. You know, I think that we, and I'm, of course I'm biased, but you know, we have a team that is really highly engaged and, you know, I think excited about the future and excited to do big things. And, and that's, that's always fun to be around. Jeff, another a big important thing for Cowan is profits with purpose and thinking about stakeholders. So could you talk to us about mental health? There's a huge yeah. opportunity here. Yeah. A second sure. question, Jeff, um, is this whole idea of Harry's as a platform. Yeah. Um, so think about that. how can you do that? And how do you make sure to have the right priorities and, and drive the right thread of synergies? Thanks. For sure. Good, good, good. Two great questions. So on mental health, um, you know, what we've learned about Harry's over time, I mentioned kind of this idea of really encouraging people to be themselves and to look how you want to look, you know, kind of how you present yourself says something about who you are. And you don't have to look like everybody wants you to look like we can, you know, help you with your image, whatever your image is, shave, don't shave, smell the way you want to smell, style your hair the way you want to style your hair, like look the way you want to look. And that says something about you and you feel great on the outside. We hope that helps you feel good on your inside. And, and we hear that from lots of guys, you know, and so Harry's, I think has always been this brand starting with shaving, which kind of you know, crafts, how your, your face, you know, looks in many ways, if you have facial hair or not, like, I think guys have always trusted us in, in some way with their image. And when we started, as I mentioned, we reach out to all of our customers after they buy from us and to say, we're here for you. We love you. We want you to have a good experience with our brand. And um, we got just amazing feedback from, from lots of customers. I think what we realized in that process is that sometimes guys are just looking for people to talk to, you know, just want to have a conversation with someone, you know, and sometimes it's actually easier to do that with the CX team at a brand like Harry's, then maybe with, you know, your friends or whatever, because it's a little bit, you know, more distant in the relationship, but there's still someone who, who seemingly really cares about you. And we do. Um, and I think we recognized through a bunch of those conversations and then kind of looking at a bunch of data about just like where guys were going that, you know, there was opportunity to talk to guys about mental health in a more interesting way. And as we talked to our customers, we recognized that the majority of people um, recognize that mental health is an issue. Lots of them, majority, again, I think feel like it could, it's an issue for them. But the significant minority have sort of, you know, had real conversations with other with folks to address it. Um, so there's this huge gap, and um, we felt like we could partner with incredible organizations to try to make an impact and make a difference. And what's exciting is, you know, we give one percent of our sales. So as our business has grown, we're able to have more and more impact. What we're working on now is uh, is um, something that we're super excited about. It's an initiative called Open Minds. And what Open Minds um, is doing is we're going to pledge $5 million to one idea to fundamentally bend the curve, change the game of mental health. We've asked for submissions. We've gotten hundreds, put together an incredible outside panel. Um, and we're pretty close to um, kind of deciding and announcing who the winner will be. Uh, and, um, and I'm just so excited about, you know, working with an organization around a big, big idea 
to really try to change the game and bend the curve. And I think that's another example of how we as a, as a company can be innovative um, and continue to try to have impact. And so we're very much focused on it. We've given, I think at this point, over $7 million. We've helped almost a million men um, with, with mental health issues. Um, our goal is to get to 1.5 million in the next couple of years. And we're gonna to continue to kind of chip away at this. And you know, we hope that in doing this, we can inspire other businesses to give to mental health, which would be wonderful, or to give to other organizations that you know they're really passionate about, but to give back and to do good in the community. Um, we think it's so important. Your second question um, was around building a platform and how do we stay focused as we do more and what infrastructure can we leverage as, as we think about this? Um, I think it's a great question. And one of the things that we spend a lot of time on internally as we've built more brands is how do we operate them as thoughtfully as possible? Um, you know, I think one of the things that was helpful on Harry's is that we had dedicated teams that were very focused just on Harry's um, every day. How do we, you know, let people know about our products and make our razors and blades better and build a brand that people love, makes them smile, et cetera. And we learned a lot about how to build those teams and who the right people are on those teams and how they can focus. And some of those people who we've had at Harry's for a long time also are like really excited, not about the future of Harry's, which is, I am super excited about to be clear but about getting to go do something smaller, like about what Harry's was, you know, six, seven years ago, a few people sitting around a table coming up with ideas and bringing them to, to life very, very quickly. Um, and so uh, one of the things that, you know, we've done is now we have, we've incubated, you know, brands like um, Flamingo and then Cat Person and Headquarters, which are all new brands that we've built. You know, Flamingo is for women's hair removal and body care. Generally, Cat Person, I mentioned about sort of, better serving cats and their parents. Headquarters is a brand that um, gives, helps you have healthier hair by having a healthier scalp and roots. So it's really sort of gives you great products for your scalp and roots that then leads to healthier hair. We just bought Lumi, they have an incredible team. And so it's exciting to see these brands come together and then to have them at different stages of development. The way that we enable them to run efficiently is, um, is by having dedicated teams that focus on them, that have really clear focus. And then what the, they benefit from, from an infrastructure perspective um, are in many ways like hard infrastructure. So analytics tools that enable you to get data in a much more robust way. You know, an ERP system that is um, sophisticated, state of the art, um, a distribution platform that enables you to get products to people quickly at lower cost than you would have. You know, better media rates in the world because we've got relationships with lots of big advertisers. Um, you know, great retail relationships if and when you're ready to go to retail. And I think a lot of know-how in, 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 in that process. Um, you know, I think the challenge that a lot of companies face today um, is really getting big and, and maintaining purpose. Um, and if you kind of look at the world, the way we sort of see it is it's easier than ever to build a brand, to get one out, you know, online. Like the barriers are much lower than when we started Harry's. Probably harder than ever to really scale one. Um, you know, it's expensive to build the infrastructure to get a brand from kind of point A to through B to C to D. Um, you know, there's been a bunch written about the messy middle and how that's just complicated and you have to kind of get through that. Um, and then there's brands that are big, but maybe don't have a feeling that they're really doing good for consumers and taking risks and innovating the way that we've done at Harry's. And so I think our opportunity is to find brands and work with brands that start small, but they can get big quickly because they can lever some of the infrastructure that I mentioned. That's what we're working on. Yeah, there's so much dynamicism and scaling and opportunities, you know, to address new generations. Yeah. So, Jeff, a final question. Uh, we both went to Wharton and were involved with the Wharton Retail Program. Yeah. When you look back at your 
MBA version of yourself? Like, what advice would you have wanted to give that version of yourself? Yeah. Go back in time and then any closing remarks you may have as well. Yeah. What I think I would have encouraged myself to continue to do is to just to care a lot. Like starting a company, you've got to be all in. Like, a hundred percent of yourself, maybe 110, 20, whatever the most of yourself has to be in. I care so much about Harry's and our team and the community that we have and our customers. And I never want to lose that. Like, I think it's what enables us hopefully to be successful over time. Cause if everybody else cares that much, like, you know, it's a lot of people who care a lot are going to do the right thing over time um, for business. Not that we get it all right all the time, but you know, I think it really matters to care a lot. I think as a founder, and I, I felt this more in running a company than, than I ever have in any other job I've had. And I've talked to lots of other founders about it. You know, so much of your own emotional, like, well-being in some ways is tied to the business. You know, the business has a great day and I'm on cloud nine. The business has a hard day. I'm like, oh, sh-. and I think that like what I've had to remind myself over time, and I think this has helped me with my own sort of mental health and well-being is like the good days aren't always as good as they seem and the bad days aren't always as bad. And, you know, like it's been really helpful for me over time just to learn that lesson, still celebrate them, you know, on the good side and work like heck to fix things when they don't go as well as, as planned. Um, but to sort of keep more of an, a, a, a calm emotional center. And I think that's been a, a journey for me starting at Warby Parker. You know, when we started Warby Parker, I felt the same way. And I learned a lot there and I've learned a lot at Harry's over time on that. And um, it's clearly kind of been part of my own my own maturation process, um, which has been good for me. Uh, and I think great for our team uh, as well. And so um, I probably would have, you know, sat myself down and just said, you're going to have a lot of great days ahead and you should celebrate them, love them. But like the emotional highs that, that are there, like, you know, like enjoy those. And the thing, when things are tricky, like it's not quite, it's never going to be quite as bad as it feels in that moment. And there's always a way to continue to kind of build and grow and learn from it. And um I certainly have felt that way in the last, last few years as well. Jeff, it's been amazing to learn so much more about all the authenticity you've built and also the, the pure innovation and really changing the world of personal care and integrating profits and purpose as well. Thanks for your time, Jeff. Thanks, Oliver. Really appreciate it. Thanks for joining us. Stay tuned for the next episode of Cowan Insights.